you weren't here this morning and you are tuning in online uh, and watching our messages, then before you leave, um, just on the foyer table, you'll see some letters. And if you wanted to grab one of those, it's just an envelope, and inside it just has a blank A4 page with To My Follower. And if you tune into this morning, it's all online, and that'll help you make sense because we're looking in the mornings at what it means to be a letter of Christ. And I asked us if Christ was going to write a letter about us, what would the letter say? And so I encouraged us all to go and process and think about that and write down what you sense he would say about your life. And the cool thing about letters is that they're constantly changing. And although he may write me a letter today, tomorrow it can be different. And in six months' time, it can be different. Just like a report card. I may have got a C or 52% at school C maths. It was a pass. But then I got better at maths. And so then, you know, in him we can grow and mature. But allow the process to take place and allow him to speak to you honestly and openly, as we looked at this morning, for the purpose of growth. Because there is no punishment in him, is there? There is discipline. And like I said, don't ever confuse the two because you'll end up running away from the discipline because you perceive it as punishment, but it's not. A father who loves us will discipline us to get us to where we need to get to where sometimes we didn't even know where we're supposed to be going. Anyone found that reality? You get divinely deceived to get you to places that you would not get to if he left you on your own. How did I end up here? Because you got hoodwinked by love. <laughs> That's how I married Danielle. <laughs> hoodwinked by love. There you go. And what's really important in understanding this discipline over punishment is righteousness. Righteousness. What does it mean to be right in him? That the righteousness of God has been put on us. And that's what we're going to unpack tonight. But before we get to that, who can share with me last week and one of the key things that you got out of last week? Who wants to come up here or wherever you are, where you are and just with a loud voice share what you got from last week? Something that impacted you, that spoke to you, that challenged you, that provoked you to think, something like that. It's not a good reality when everyone's looking at their notebooks trying to find out what they had. (laughs) I was so impacted, I can't remember. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, too late. <laughs> Had your chance. Sorry? Yeah, that's what we spoke about. Okay, this, this table's just figuring out what we've talked about. <laughs> Correct, 10 out of 10, gird your loins. And what impacted you the most? And please don't say the thing about Chick Chat and Tim Tam Biscuits. <laughs> I didn't say, I just said hopefully that won't be the thing that impacted you the most. Or did you hear the parable? So what was the parable about between Chit Chat and Tim Tans? What was the truth? What was the lie being deceived? So if we gird our loins with truth, which is Christ, then it makes it very difficult to be deceived by the lie. So when the adversary comes or your own flesh tells you, you know what, you're not righteous. Why? Because your behavior doesn't stack up to someone who's righteous. You see, why is he before the throne room of heaven accusing us? You ever thought about that? What is Satan in Revelation before the throne room accusing the church of? Our behavior. Why did I get kicked out when I act like them? They want to be their own God. They want to be in control of their own lives. Look at the way they live. They say they love you, but they love themselves. 
They live for themselves. They don't live for your will. Why did I get kicked out when they're living like I lived? God says, because I actually have my righteousness on them and their behavior doesn't determine my righteousness because love is greater than their behavior. Aren't you grateful that love is covering a multitude of sin? The Bible says if you don't live by faith, you're committing sin. So anything that's not done by faith is a sin. There's a new standard, isn't it? It means you're missing the mark because Jesus died for our past, present, and future sin. He said, you have been made righteous in me. Now, here's the new standard. It's now about living life by faith in me. So if you're not living to that standard of faith, you're missing the mark. You're missing the standard of righteousness to which you've been called and elevated to live by. Wow. Do you understand the difference between that sin and then the sin? So he's not saying, here we are in our stuff again. I have died for past, present, future stuff. I've been made right, even though you're still struggling with your stuff, because it's not determined by your stuff, it's determined by me. So I put on you the cloak of righteousness, Isaiah 61, put it on. So from my perspective, you have been made right in my eyes. When I look down, I see a righteous person. Now, as a righteous person, the righteous shall live by faith. So anyone that doesn't live by faith is committing sin. Meaning, you're missing the standard of faith. So we need to hear a word that produces what? How does faith get produced? Come on, church. Through hearing what? The word. See how important this all is? Hear the word, you get faith. You get faith, you live to the standard of faith in who? Jesus, you don't miss the mark of Sin, which means when you turn up at the judgment seat for your reward, he goes, well done. You lived a life of righteousness. Bingo. Pretty cool, eh? Okay, you ready for tonight? All right, well, we've started. I hope you are. <laughs> Ephesians 6.14, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as we looked at, it's not putting it on, it's going to get put on you. So what we have to do is receive the garment of righteousness. Who has done that? If you're in Christ, you've done that. Okay. So the day that you said, Lord Jesus, come into my world, be my Lord, Savior. I want to be reconciled back into right relationship. I admit that I have fallen from grace. I am a sinner, but I'm no longer, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. He said, well done. Here you go. Here's my cloak of righteousness. Here's my robe of righteousness. You are now righteous in my Son, Jesus Christ, by what he did on the cross, not because you had your ability to make that a reality. It's the offer of a lifetime. It's called a free gift of righteousness. And all you have to do is receive it by belief, conviction, in the where. Here or here? Which is the what? What's the heart symbolic of? The spirit. So you have to receive it through a living conviction in the Spirit, not have a conceptual understanding of it in your mind. If you have a conceptual understanding, it's still good, but it's not going to move you and change you, so you will still struggle with your righteousness. You will condemn yourself when your behavior doesn't align to the standard of truth. I'm not good enough. Why? Because I keep tripping up over this issue that I've got. Then you have your flesh and adversary comes and will press that and press that and tell you you're not good enough, tell you you're not good enough. And because you haven't had a living conviction of righteousness because the breastplate hasn't been put on, you allow those words to start to form your thinking. And then you believe it and then you start living out that life. I'm a victim. I'm not the righteousness of God. How can he love me? Look what I do all the time. Look where I'm constantly found. 
And God's going, that is irrelevant. Learn and get to know my ways and understand through revelation. I have made you right. You get a revelation of that. Guess what happens? That revelation pulls you out of the miry clay and places you upon a rock. And God says, that's always been your reality. You just haven't known it. You've been beating yourself up in the mud when you're actually been standing on the rock from my perspective. It's good news. Why are you beating yourself up when I have already saved you? You're actually calling me a liar. See how important it is to have a living conviction where? In our hearts, which is the spirit. So Jesus said, my church, understanding does not start in the mind. He said, understanding starts in the spirit. I am of another kingdom. In the kingdom of the world, understanding starts in the mind. The mind is still important. Hear what I'm saying. But it is not the place of understanding first. It gets to have the mind of Christ. We get to the opportunity to have the mind of Christ through the revelation of the Spirit. Not through without the Spirit trying to understand God in our minds. This is why we can have a conceptual understanding of the gospel and not be able to live in the power of the gospel. Because you have a mindset understanding. It's conceptual, but it's not a living conviction in the spirit. Make sense? We're going to look at that tonight because Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why did he say that? Because it is the, yell it out so I can hear it, power of what? The power of unto salvation. The power to completely change a person. What from? Being a sinner to a complete mature son. He says, in it, what? The gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from what? Faith to faith as it is written. So the power of the gospel reveals the righteousness of God for you and I. So have you received that gospel that you never, ever, ever have an issue over righteousness again? I'm not ashamed. If there was one man going to be ashamed of his past, it was him. But the gospel was so powerful, it showed him how right he was. He says, even when I was ignorant and in unbelief, his mercy, God's mercy, and then God opened up the righteousness of Christ upon me. Man, I'm not ashamed of that message or the power of the message. Why? Because it saved me. I know how right I am. I know how right I am. Do you? It'll define everything. Everything. I don't beat myself up one minute. Can I be honest? I never have since I've received the gospel. I'm not saying I haven't committed sin. I have. I've never beaten myself up for the sin. Meaning I've never gone down a dark hole. I felt the conviction, I've repented and got straight back on the horse like that. Because the power of the gospel that saved me, showed me it has nothing to do with my behavior and everything to do with his love. It's the greatest springboard of life. You can't get any lower. See, it actually, there's only, it's solid ground. Knowing you're righteous is the solid ground that you launch from. It's the foundation of Christ. You can't shake that foundation because it's him. Take your best shot. So when the enemy comes and tries to lie, he's got no game. The flesh has got no game and no one else has any game. Because why? Because the power unto salvation is real. And it shows you how right you are. Even though your behavior might not stack up. As you understand this, your behavior comes into an alignment. So you're not focusing on your behavior, you're focusing on his righteousness. You don't take your eyes on you and try and get over you. You put your eyes on him and you forget about you. It's back to front, isn't it? The world tells you, if you want to become this, you've got to focus on you. You've got to be all about you. If you want to become a son like like he was a son, you focus on him. And you allow him to go to work on you through revelation. So understanding has to start in the spirit, in the heart. The heart is just a symbol of the spirit realm. Love God with all your mind. 
Well, he actually does say that, but it's the heart first. There is a pattern of an order in which God flows. And you'll see in Ephesians that the mind must be renewed by the Spirit. That's how you get the mind of Christ. Yeah? So if you have the mind of Christ, you know how right you are. You never have issues with righteousness. Make sense? Do you think Christ had an issue with his righteousness? No. (laughs) Now, he's our brother, yes? Not ashamed to call us brothers, yes? We are sons like he was a son. Are we not to be, like Russell said, like Christ on the earth? Christ never had an issue with his righteousness. Neither are we to. Why? Because you get the power of salvation through the gospel. It renews your mind because you receive it in your spirit. It goes up to your mind. It doesn't go from your mind to your heart. It goes from your heart to your mind. Another lie. That's why all the people that are still waiting can't live it out. Because they're waiting for their conceptual understanding to drop into a living conviction. It goes, living conviction, renews the mind, bingo, now I walk. It's a back-to-front reality to the world. But we keep preaching the world's ways, wondering why we're not in the ways of God and the life. Everything is back-to-front in God, but it's the right way round to Him. Your ways are not my ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Don't even attempt to understand me with your mind. (laughs) Come to me like a child. Oh, and guess what? This was beautiful, Father, that you would hide your truth from the wise and the intelligent, but reveal it to little kids because little kids come fully convinced of what their father or mother tell them. They don't doubt. They don't second guess. They go, yes, Dad, and live. We do this. Well, I'm a child of God. Mm, let me think about that for a minute. I don't know how. No, you're not a child. Well, you are spiritually. <laughs> he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Starts understanding in the heart. Everything evolves around the heart issues. Where does the wellspring of life come out of? The heart. What is God trying to deal with? Our hearts. So he says, put a breastplate over your heart. Why? So no arrow can pierce into your heart, causing what? Bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness. Then that root takes shape. Then you become a very angry, bitter, twisted, not much of a letter, although you are a letter that people read, but it's not the letter that he wants them to read. They read bitter, twisted, mean-spirited, angry, in the name of God. (laughs) What organ is protected by our ribcage? The heart, along with other organs. Do we know righteousness in our spirits? That's the question. Do we know how right we have been made? Mindless of behavior. It's trippy. It really, we can't get our head around it. Don't even try. Surrender that to God and say, Father, I fundamentally don't understand this. Do you know that is a great response to God? He goes, yes. Fall on the rock, be broken to pieces, so then I can actually work with a new man. Not a broken piece man, but you need to break into pieces so you don't put yourself back together again. This is what the gospel does. We're going to look at okay? It's, oh, man, I'm... <laughs> so here's another question. Are we fully convinced of how right we have been made in God and our spirit? To know this is to have the mind of Christ in this truth. If you know how right you are, you have the mind of Christ in righteousness. But it's a revealed mind. And because the mind has been renewed, it's the mind of Christ, you never think again in a way that would damage that. Does that make sense? So you never think, I'm not righteous, when you have the mind of Christ of how righteous you are. Otherwise, it's yo-yo. It's, I do, 
I don't. I do. I don't. That's, 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 that's not solid, is it? It's, I know I am being made right. It's so powerful. It's the most powerful position to launch your life from. Righteousness, love, forgiveness. Have you got those three on revelation in your spirit? Just how much he's forgiven you, you evil people, including me. Good for nothing. No good in any of you. Only evil, open mouths, ready to spew death. Helpless, hopeless, dead in your iniquity, sin, and transgression. And unless I came, you're all stuffed. Do you know that reality? <laughs> so his love comes and forgives that. His mercy comes and pours out on what was unlovable. For he loved us first before we even thought about him. We're so in ourselves, never thinking about anyone but self. So he comes and he pours out. He says, do you know my love for you? Not know about it. Know it. Have you received it? Have you received then the righteousness of my son? Have you put on Isaiah 61.10? I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. I've got this really ugly dressing gown. <laughs> Rodney called me Joseph the other day when I was wearing it, and he would come out to watch the football at 5.30. It's really ugly, but I love it. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's about 20 years old. Stay on course. Come on, don't worry about the football. But it's like, it's like my robe of righteousness. It's like, let me put this on you. Wear it well. Know it well. Have it part of you, in you, over you, through you. Don't go out in public with it, but <sighs> hear what I'm saying. Put it on. Everyone gets rose. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. You know the prodigal son? He still didn't know how right he was. That's the saddest thing about that story. The saddest thing wasn't that he spent years with pigs. The saddest thing was he came back still as a slave, not knowing he was righteous. And even when his father goes to adorn him, he still doesn't know what it's really about. Then grumpy brother has no concept either of righteousness because he's more peed off that his brother's having a party than he is his brother's come home. They don't know how right they've been made. Sad, isn't it? To live a life beating oneself up when God says, you are right, you are right. Stop. No, Lord, it's called humility. No, it's called being a stupid follower. No, it's called humility. No, it's not. It's false humility, which is pride. It's actually pride. You still haven't been broken, although you look like you're humble. You are pride-filled Still, receive my righteousness through the power of my spirit and wear it well. Amen. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The one who knew no sin was sent for sinners, that sinners would be saved from sin to become the righteousness of God. Do you know who you're called to be and become? See, we've been called to become His righteousness, and we are it. Then it's about living lives of righteousness. Right alignment to the Father. Not stepping out of alignment through anything and everything. But hearing and obeying through the power that God has put in us, not in our own strength. I shared this this morning. This is phenomenal. The guy that knew no sin. He only had one. 
and he sent him for you to show us how worthy and valuable we are. I've said this. I'm going to say it again until it gets in you. Do you know that the cross was not about revealing your sin as a primary objective? It wasn't. It was about revealing your value and your worth to God. It was showing you how much I love you and how much I value you. I'm going to send you my best. He's going to leave the best place, the perfect place, come to hell for you that I can show you how much I value you because look, I'm sending my best. And he is going to take your sin, not his sin, your sin on him that you may not know sin. And that you would become my righteousness so I can pour out everything I've had for you from the beginning of time that is in my heart towards you as a body first. And that you would represent me to the earth. Not just represent, but you would represent me well. And others would want to get to know me because they say a people so free. We're so scared of freedom. So give us the law. Because we don't know how to live in freedom. He says, I've come to set you free. But freedom is scary, man, because it means responsibility. So give me the 10 rules because I can stay within the boundaries. He says, get out of that pool, man, and get into the sea. Get out of the zoo and get into the wild. Because that's where it is. What does that mean? You've got to get to know me. I become the guideline. I become the law. I fulfilled the law. Stay close to me. You've got everything you need. Why? Because I've made you right. Now, if you follow me, you will live a life that's right. But if you leave me, that ain't good. And if you deny me, that ain't good. And if you don't obey me, that's worse. I still love you. And my righteousness is still upon you. But that's not going to honor me. And it's not going to bring glory to my Father. And so we need to know who we've been called to become. And we need to live from that place. Otherwise, we're falling short of the standard of glory. Jesus came to seek and save all that was lost. Not just humanity. Everything that was lost when we fell out of glory. We lost everything when we fell. So he's trying to get us back to everything. Yes? Maybe? Don't know? (laughs) And what's this life that's more than food and clothing? Have you taken five minutes to ask him? Or does life just move on? Next biscuit. I can't, I cannot fundamentally read this like a novel. Don't read this like a novel. It's not a novel. You can't get past sometimes three verses of that going, what? And as he starts opening your eyes, because you know how right you've been made, and you've got your breastplate on, I can be crushed but not perplexed. <laughs> momentary light affliction what's that everything in life why because i know how right i've been made and i'm becoming righteousness in him i've got someone greater in me that's in the world i've got someone that's in me that's greater than the obstacle i've got someone in me i don't even have meaning not i are we i don't have the mind that thinks these negative thoughts why because your mind's being renewed We're not to struggle our whole lives. We have to be overcomers. I'm not saying we won't struggle, but you don't go to hospital to stay in hospital your whole life, do you? You go to hospital to get made well so you can leave the place. (laughs) But there's always going to be a hospital for people who are sick. So they come in. Then they hear the word. And they're hungry and thirsty for the word. They hear this message about righteousness, that they've been right, even though they've murdered and maybe done some stuff and lied. But they hear a message that the grace of God and the power of God can heal all that, restore all that, take in brokenness, mend it new in a moment of power. 
And then they hear about this brand new resurrected life in Christ that's not a modified one of their drug and they're this and they're that and they're this and all those stuff. It's a brand new life that's more than food, more than clothing. It's called an indestructible life in Christ. Have you heard the message? Some of you look at me like, what is this dude on and what is he talking about? The gospel. But it requires one who has gone to that depth to bring it out into the open so we can hear about it. Amen? So he's saying there is these garments, put them on because it's about being made right. Romans 1 verses 16. Ooh, you ready? Here we go. <clears throat> Romans 1 16. This is the great Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say that to yourself. Not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation is an event and a process. So we are saved, will be saved getting saved, and then we will receive the complete salvation in our glorified bodies. Do we all understand that? Salvation is a process, isn't it? Justification, sanctification, glorification. So God, he go, put on the robe of righteousness. You are justified just as if you have never sinned, never fallen. I've washed you pure and blameless and spotless. From my perspective, you are whole. Now we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling with the power of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. That's why he sent him to outwork the full work of that in us. Become perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. So spirit and truth, these are the true worshipers my Father seeks. So what on earth does that mean? Well, it means what it says. We need to be true worshipers because there are false worshipers. And true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. So they let the spirit and the truth, which is Christ, go to work on their lives. And through the power of the word, Jesus, the spirit, Jesus, this transformation. So the Holy Spirit's role is to lead the church into all of truth. Jesus, gird your loins with Jesus. If you have Jesus, do you think anyone can lie to you? No, so as you're growing in Jesus, you discern the lie and the truth. You follow the truth, not the lie. You can't be hoodwinked. We looked at that out of Colossians. On the revelation of Jesus, all the hidden treasures of wisdom are in Jesus, so no one can delude you with persuasive argument. So when someone comes along with persuasive words, they use the words in the word, you can discern whether it's true or not, and don't get hoodwinked. Yeah? So we have this truth. So he then goes, I'm not ashamed of this gospel message. It's the power of God to save my complete being, spirit, soul, body. That's the deal. Because this manifestation of glory is coming out of this body. Yeah? Manifestation. Touch it. Hear it. Jesus was not this ghost that floated around. He ate food. You could touch him. He was the manifestation of the word of God, was he not? The word became flesh, living among us. We saw it. We witnessed him. And the glory of God was in him and came through him. Oh, by the way, like he was your to be. Oh, little old me. Yeah, you're not little. Not in my eyes, you know. So I think there's an identity crisis in the church. I really don't think many of us really know what we've been called for. I think we've been sold a lie that goes like this. You're a sinner that needs saving. Get saved. Try and get as many people out of hell as you can, and then you wait for heaven. Life's going to be a bit crappy, so hang on to survive. Hide in the cave. Do anything you need to survive, and it'd be okay because Jesus is going to come back. That is about, well, some of that's not even true. But I reckon we've probably heard that much of the gospel as a whole. And he said to Paul, preach the whole purpose of God. But it requires a man or a woman who's having revelation after revelation after revelation by faith, by faith, by faith, to preach the whole purpose of God. So that's going to take time. 
for all of us to spend time where we come into the reality. Because you need to be able to hear the word, not just words that are coming out of someone's mouth. You need to hear the frequency and the substance of heaven that's being declared tonight through your spirit. Not your mind, your spirit. And then the spirit needs to renew your mind unless you've already had a revelation of it. In that case, you'll be going yes and amen and doing a boogie and a dance. Because the oneness that will be going backwards and forwards between us across the tables and from here will be so powerful. It's literally like getting connected to Christ straight into your heart. And it's like mana, 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 mana. And you know what? Five hours feels like five minutes when that's happening. This is who we've been called to be. This is what he says when he says, partake of me, eat of me, drink of me. Otherwise, you have no life within you. So he goes, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, man, because the power of God rose me from a dead guy to a living guy. To everyone who believes. Do you believe? Are you fully convinced of what I've said tonight? If you are, you'll go running after it, won't you? Can I be really honest? Can I? I say this in love. It's so easy to say yes. I asked you what we got out of last week. And no one jumped up in a heartbeat and went, this! We all went for our books and we all had to try and remember what we learned. That ain't going to cut it. It's not, guys. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to bring you into what I'm talking about. That's, you've got to be so, you know how like we, anything we want, we go after. What is it that you've wanted that you've gone after? A degree in this, to be in that team, to get that car, to get that TV, to get that house, and you've disciplined, you've studied, you've put yourself second, you've gone whatever length it gets to to get what we want, eh? Well, you've got to do that times 10. Because you can't come into it on your own. And he needs to see that desire, that desperation, that hunger, because he goes, that's a heart that I've been looking to and fro to find someone who actually wants what's in here more than they want themselves. That's what's required. If you want to walk what I'm talking about out and come into it, it's whatever it takes. And I'll just say this as a testimony, not to build myself up, but when I was walking for an answer to something, I spent four hours in the rain down at Oriental Parade. I was freezing cold from 7 till 11 to get my answer, and I got it. I had a cold for a week. I was desperate. How desperate are you, really? Because that's what it's going to require. And he says this gospel is going to radically save us. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. If you receive the gospel the way God intends, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's not maybe. God speaks in absolutes. So we can back on his word, so we can go after what's in his word. Every promise is not maybe. Every promise is yes and amen. And you can hang your hat on two things. God is unchangeable and never lies. You can hang your life on those two things. He is unchangeable and he never lies. So he's saying right here that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, meaning how God defines it. Not how I define it, how God defines it, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So the question I want to ask us is, do we have a conceptual understanding of the gospel? See, it's one thing to have that, but an entirely different reality to have a revealed understanding of the gospel. That brings us into the mind of Christ. One thing to have a conceptual understanding, what would that be, Greg? It's this. There was a guy, his name was Jesus Christ, who came and died and rose again for our sin and iniquity. And if you receive him tonight, this is what he promises to do and this will happen. And you have a conceptual understanding of truth. So it's right, 
It's the truth, but there's no living conviction. So you acknowledge it and go, yes, by belief in what you've heard. You make a mental agreement with truth, meaning it's a true statement, yeah? Are you tracking with me? And then you leave the meeting. That's a conceptual understanding. This is what a living conviction revelation is. The same person says those same words, but the power of the Holy Spirit grabs hold of those words and pierces your heart, and it cuts straight in to the core of who you are. And the power unto salvation goes, and you go, what was that? The gospel, the work of the gospel. And you turn and you say, what do I need to do? And the guy at the front says, get baptized. Repent and be baptized. Where? Now. Now what do I need to do? Fill with the Holy Spirit. Come here. Whatever that looks like. But be filled with the power that saved you. Now go. And that can be continuous as far as the filling of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. But is that the gospel you heard and received and accepted? Or was it a conceptual idea? Both, they're not wrong. Can you hear what I'm saying? But one produces a life that the other one doesn't. One may lead you into a greater life, but go after what I described the second time. Because the power, you see, I was asking God, give me words for this. He said, I think so often we describe what it is, but we haven't experienced what it is. It's like there was a guy called Jesus, yes, and what happened? Okay, so he was nailed to a cross at Calvary, yes, yep, and he died physically, yes. So he's dead physically, and also the sin of the world was put on him. So then he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because now I'm a sinner separated because sin separates. So he's dead spiritually, and he's dead physically. From a reality is always known for you and I. Yeah, this is the message of the gospel. Then this power comes back into him and raises him up. With me? And then he lives, and they saw him, touched him. He ate fish with them. He cooked dinner for them. And he's like, right, I'm here for 40 days. Got to tell you some more. Then I'm going, sending the Spirit. Okay, half the story, second half of the story. You and I are dead in our sin and our transgression and our trespass. Spiritually, we're living. No one came and put a gun to our head and shot us. We are living beings, but we are dead spiritually. Not able to come into the resurrected life, the born-again life, because we're outside of it. The Bible says we must have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. So we're in the kingdom of darkness, which the prince of the air reigns in. None of us even know there's a God that exists. We may have a mental belief, but not really. And we have no concept of the life that's more than food, more than clothing, and the kingdom of God. Tracking with me. So we are dead. And so what has to happen? Well, the same power that rose him from the grave has to come into me because I'm a dead man walking. So it's not about understanding in my mind. It's about receiving the revelation of the gospel, the work of what Jesus into my spirit, born again, boof, power. Whoa, now I've been born again to a brand new life. I'm so right because the power has revealed the righteousness of God and I was a scumbag. There's your gospel. And I think so often all we've done is got fancy at preaching words, but no power. So we have a form of all this godliness, but we've got no power. We've got no game. We've got no ability to walk in the manner in which Jesus walked because we're powerless. Because the gospel we receive, which produces righteousness, we just understood in conceptual words, which is true, but it's got no power. Paul said, I want to know you and the power that rose you from the grave so I can have fellowship with your sufferings. There's no way you and I are going to suffer for Jesus if we don't have the power in us. Because you need to be born again by the power of God. See, we're dead. We are dead in our sin, dead in our trespass, nothing good in you. You can't save you. So there has to be this foreign source not from the kingdom of darkness, from a kingdom of light, enter into you and me 
and save and rescue us and pull us, this is all in us, out of and into so I can live the more than life. How much more? How much more is there? Oh, enough is fine. No, it's not. As long as I scrape in, wrong answer. I have people say to me, as long as I'm there, wrong answer, man. You don't know him enough if that's what you're saying. That's like saying, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of an analogy. It's like, like you, you want to drive the, do you want to drive the, the Fiat what, yellow Ponto that I used to drive? Or do you want to drive the latest BMW 8 Series? Oh, the Ponto will be fine because I'm humble. Now, you're an idiot. <laughs> you can have both. Which one? It's not about a pride. It's all humble. Which one do you want? Oh, the Fiat Punto, just as long as we get to the journey. No, I want the 8 Series Beamer, man. We're going to get there in half an hour. It's going to be a ride. We're going to enjoy the thrill of it all. He says, this is where to camp, not just getting by. False humility. It's pride. There's so much in him when we understand the gospel, receive the gospel, and our born-again man, this new man, which David said, I want truth in my innermost being. I'm going to fly, and Jeremiah said, you you don't know as you ought to know. There are things that I haven't yet shown you in the gospel. The gospel is the entire good news. Literally, it's Jesus Christ. So, Ephesians 2, 1 and 6, and then we'll wrap it. Just to, this is just one passage. Romans is full of what I just said. It might say it differently to why, the way I said it, but it said the same thing. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, Made alive in Christ, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived. See, there's an association. No one is good. You can't say, well, I was brought up in a Christian home. I'm good. You are not. You're as much of a scumbag as me. Among them, we too too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So he wants to give us, he gives us his precious promises that we can partake of what? His divine nature, because our nature was evil, and it still is. If it lives. In him it's dead, but is it dead in you? But God, and you love that? So he gives you the bad news. Then he's about to smack you with good news. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love. Remember, we are what? In our trespass and our sins, man. We were living for us in the lust of ourselves, but God. When he knew the time was right to draw you, being rich in mercy because of his great love, not because you chose him, because his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one will boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Because of the gospel, Jesus dying and God's power raising him from the dead, we are now we now know how right we have been made. 
That's pretty cool. Amen. A couple of other passages. I won't read them out, but you can have a look. Philippians 1, 8 to 11. Philippians 1, 8 to 11. talks about being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17. talks about the gift of righteousness. And then 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, 18 to 25, talks about the ability to live a life of righteousness. Because you've been made right, listen to what just verse 24 says, He himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness it's by his wounds we've been healed not just physical healing our entire life has been healed so we can live out a life of righteousness which includes suffering being persecuted for living the right way is considered a blessing in the kingdom of God it's not in the kingdom of the world You hear what I said? Being persecuted for living out truth in him is a blessing. That's what 1 Peter says. He says, let me give you an example to follow. He says, when you do the right thing and you are persecuted, that finds favor with me. Well, you need to know you're righteous before you can ever start living a life of righteousness out. When you know you've done the right thing and you are sentenced and convicted and put behind bars, I don't mean physically, I mean through relationships, being gossiped about, ostracized, say people say they love you and they stab you in the back, all those things, when that happens and you know you've done nought wrong, then he says, love your enemy and pray for them. If you don't know you're right, as your starting point, you'll be smacking your enemy. <laughs> you won't even get to the point where you'll start praying. You'll just be eating them alive. So righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness is crucial to be able to live out a life of righteousness. Amen? Awesome. So there's questions like we do. Just get some person to be a voice and then fire the questions and... There's no rush to get through the questions either. You might only get through one question. That's cool. Just allow the Spirit to lead and guide.